All right, so tonight we're going to talk about loss, and um, one of the things I want to say before I open in prayer is that loss, is, uh, loss and grief are really different from rejection, because rejection you can be instantly freed from. You can make a choice to not be instantly freed, but you have that choice that you can be instantly freed from rejection. Now, with grief and loss, it's a kind of a different process. And I'm going to walk you through um, what I believe is a healthy way to grieve and receive comfort from the Lord. Okay? So I'm going to open in prayer, and we're going to get started. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your comfort. Thank you that you comfort us when we hurt. Thank you that you bring joy in exchange for sorrow. And we hold on to that, Lord. We hold on to that. And we ask that tonight you would speak to every heart that's here. I pray that you would speak to my heart and you would only let your truth come through me tonight. Lord, please don't let there be anything of the flesh. And please give us all ears to hear your voice. We need you so much, Jesus, and we want you to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so um, when in 2000, uh, going back, 2005, my grandmother, who was 101, passed away. And even though she was 101, don't you know, it hurt. You know, you're just never really ready for anyone to go. But less than, I mean, it was like a year and two months later, my mom passed away. And then two years after that, my dad passed away. So now within a span of three years, I had lost the three people who I, you know, who were my always love me no matter what support people, the older generation in my life. And I had lost them all. And my heart was so sad. And I could not, I just felt, I can't even express it. I missed my mom so much. For years, I would pick up the phone and call her to tell her something, you know, or I'd be somewhere with my kids. And I would think, oh, I wish my mom was here. I wish my mom knew that Kate and Zach got married. I wish my mom had met Diego. And I always would think that because that loss just stayed. You know, it, it got better over time, but it still hurt. And then this past year, when um, in November, Aisha got married, and then in January, Rose got married, and they were really happy occasions, but again... It was lost for me because they were gone from my house. And I'm so grateful they both come to visit me. But it was, it was, you know, still that sense of, you know, going to their room and knowing that they weren't there. And I was so glad that Shine <laughs> moved into, you know, Rose's room and we redid um, Aisha and um, Shine's room and but there was that sense of loss, and then immediately following that, my Aunt Mimi died. Then my Aunt Connie died. Then my Uncle Al died. And then finally my Aunt Shirley. 
So at this point, I have no one that's blood left above my generation. They're all gone. And if you, and my aunt and I were, my aunt Shirley and I were really, really close. After my mom died, we'd talk a lot on the phone and, you know, she kind of took the place. So for me, this past six months has been a real time of loss and a real time of walking through grieving and feeling heartbroken. And I'm not always sure as I shared this and like studied the word on this, I'm not always sure I handle loss the best way because I'm one of those, the show must go on kind of people. And I soldier on and I think I was leading worship the week after my mom died. And, you know, now I love leading worship and leading worship is actually quite a comfort to me. You know, I, I just, I love the presence of God. And so there was a lot of healing in that. But I'm sharing all this because I want you to know as I share, not only have I been through quite a lot of loss in my life, but I'm walking through loss right now. In fact, this weekend I'm going to a burial. And um, as I share these things, death is the greatest loss that we will ever, ever experience because of the finality of it. Jesus called death the final enemy. So death is not natural. The circle of life from the Lion King, Disney is not correct. Okay? It's not a normal, natural thing. It's a result of the fall. And death is the enemy. It's something to be hated, not feared anymore because we have Jesus. But it is something to be hated. And we're going to rejoice when death is finally destroyed in that lake of fire. So if you have gone through loss, then one day you're going to be cheering as death is destroyed once and for all. Amen? So, um, but I also wanted to say that, um, you know, of course we know death is the result of sin. And when... And death hurts. There is no way to escape the pain of death. There's no way. If it doesn't hurt you when someone you love dies, then I would be concerned. You know, because it it should hurt because there's a distance. Now, I remember when Kate went to Mexico, and even though I would know I would see her in six months, I think I cried every day that she was gone <laughs> because I just missed her. And I knew that I would see her again. And that is the kind of thing that we feel when someone we love dies who's going to heaven. We feel that that longing to be with them again. And we just miss them. It's not that we know we won't see them. And you know how people come to you and they say, well, you should be happy they're in heaven now. Well, yeah, that's great for them, but what about <laughs> what about me? And so we're going to talk about how we deal with that. Now, um, I do want to say this. I just I made these pictures this week, and I'll probably put them all up on Facebook. But I made them for you. It's just thinking about Jesus and how He's so good to us and how He comforts us and everything. But anyway, so as I'm talking about loss, there's other things that we have to grieve. 
death is not the only loss. I'm going to focus on death. But if you have been divorced, that is a loss. And it's something you have to grieve. If you have had a child fall away from the Lord, that is loss. And it's something that you have to grieve. If you've had a relationship break down, that is loss. And it's something you're going to have to work through. So I, I just want you to know, and that, a few things about grief. Number one, grief, God has a way that we can work through grief. And he wants to comfort us. So in everything that we go through that's hard, Jesus is there. And he has something that he wants to do in our lives. So we don't have to be afraid when those things happen. And we don't even have to be afraid of pain. And uh, I'm going to talk about that a little later. But um, I just want to make sure um, if you get a diagnosis of a terminal illness, when you have an empty nest, when your kids move away, um, if you're fired from a job, if you lose your baby, I mean, again, that is death, but if you have a miscarriage, um, and then some, sometimes people, and, and a lot of people take the loss of a pet or the sale of a family home, they take that really, really hard. We can even mourn over the loss of a dream. Sometimes we dream something so hard that when we lose it, we feel like it's a death. So in saying that, can any of you think of a loss right now that you either are working through or you've had to work through? So you guys know what I'm saying then. Okay. All right. Um, loss is a beautiful opportunity to grow closer to Jesus. Jesus conquered death on the cross. And so when we experience loss, we experience that emptiness that Jesus saw and we didn't fully understand that without Christ, we were facing eternity alone and apart from him because of our sin. And so he conquered that. Um, there is a day coming in the future when there will be no loss, no pain, no death, no suffering. If you struggle with headaches, no suffering. If you struggle with hard relationships, no disunity. All of that will be gone. And I just say that because um, death is a way to remind us that even something so terrible Jesus took care of it for us. There is nothing that we face in our life that Jesus hasn't taken care of. And one thing that death, that um, loss does remind us of, or death, is that we will face death too. And, you know, and I think that's why Jesus said we grieve, we don't grieve as those who have no hope, because we know that if our, our loved ones know the Lord, they're with the Lord. But we will be with the Lord one day. And I don't know about you. Like, I've lost people that I don't know if they're in heaven. 
I don't know if they knew the Lord, you know, and I think that's the hardest. If you lose, if someone robs you at gunpoint, you wouldn't feel okay about it. If you lose someone, if you're experiencing loss, you don't have to feel okay about it. Um, and again, loss is an em- loss is an em- opportunity for the enemy to lie to us. Um, the devil can tell you things like this. You can feel these feelings, but they're really lies from the devil. I'm all alone now. This pain will never go away. Nobody cares about me. If I trusted more in God, I wouldn't be so sad. Um, I think sometimes we think that Christianity means that we're never sad. And that's not true. And I want to remind you of something. Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane and wept and mourned and grieved over what he was about to do. And it says that for the joy set before him, he endured the pain of the cross. So if you want to look at someone who is balanced in their emotions, it's Jesus. He was God. But he experienced tremendous sorrow. Now, we're going to experience sorrow in our life too. But in experiencing that sorrow, we're never going to be alone because Jesus will comfort us. So how to mourn? Um, Oh, sorry, I jumped way ahead. So remember that loss and grief is the result of sin, and everyone has experienced or will experience loss that leads to grief unless their heart is stone cold. So how do you cope when a loved one dies? So the Israelites, um, they express their grief very freely. They, as soon as a person died, they ripped their clothes, they tore out their hair, they wore sackcloth instead of clothes, they sprinkled themselves with dust and dirt, and they removed all their jewelry. They wept and wailed and stopped eating. They also even paid people to wail. And at first I thought, that sounds so weird. They pay. I always would read those passages where they paid the wailers and think, that's so weird. But have you ever lost someone and your heart hurts so much that when you hear people laughing and having fun, it hurts? And you just feel like you want the world to stop moving? So I think it's a really honest thing to pay people to wail because you're surrounded now by sorrow and you don't have to pretend that you're okay. So I just had never seen it that way before until I was doing this study. But during a period of mourning, friends would come to the house and visit, and um, food was provided to the mourners, and after the funeral, women would go to the grave early in the morning to pray or weep. And um, the period of mourning could last up to a month or two. So that's how they did it in Bible times. That's how they grieve. In Victorian times, I'm going to just read this. There was a time of mourning that followed death. Folks refrained from exuberant social activities and wore dark colors. There were different periods of mourning. Widows mourned for two years. 
Children mourning parents or parents mourning children mourn for one year. If you lost a grandparent or sibling, it was six months. Aunts and uncles were two months. Grand aunts and uncles were six weeks and cousins were four weeks. Now, I thought, wow, that just seems so weird. I mean, the Victorians were super good at having all these little rules of behavior. But what a blessing for a widow who was truly sad, <laughs> not one that wasn't sad, but what a blessing for a widow that was truly sad to be able to grieve for two years, to be able to wear dark colors, to be able to not go to social events, but just to be able to mourn and grieve and to not have people try to cheer her up or get her out of it. So one of the things that I've grown up with because I'm, you know, a nursing major. I have a bachelor's in nursing. And um, so I've done and, of course, gone through a lot of death. Um, I've sat at people's bedside while they were dying. And um, but one of the things you always hear is the stages of grief. You know, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And there's this monk episode. Did any of you watch Monk? And in this monk episode, he goes through the stages of grief in like 10 seconds apiece. So he's denying it, then he's bargaining, then he's angry, and it's, it's hilarious. But the, the point I want to make right now is this. That is not a how to grieve. That is someone observing normal human behavior. That does happen. It's not a biblical blueprint for how to grieve. So don't like use that. Like uh, I read so much stuff about grief from Christians and they just sort of act like that's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. Okay. God didn't give that to you as a blueprint. You don't have to do any of those things, but they're just observing human behavior. And that is a normal part of the way a lot of people grieve. But I just want to say that because what we're doing is we're looking at the word of God for what does he have for us to be able to, how do we handle it? Because um, even when you read the stages of grief, it just says, you'll feel like this, you'll feel like this, and then you'll feel like this, and then one day you'll wake up and you'll feel like moving on. Well, that's not really true. Some people don't wake up and feel like going on. Some people need help. I needed help. So how do we mourn? I would say the first thing is let yourself mourn. Grieve, cry, wail. Work through the loss. There is a depth of weeping when you grieve that people are very uncomfortable with. And so sometimes you have to do that alone. But there is an anguish of the soul. Um, and, and again, this this kind of grieving, this kind of weeping comes after a divorce a lot of times. For a lot of people who did not want the divorce, they grieve it. It's, divorce is actually, I think on the stressor, stressor level, it's more stressful than a death. And um, because of it's such a greater rejection. So if you've gone through a divorce and you have mourned and wept, that's super normal. That is very normal. If you've gone through a situation 
where you have lost everything. You may have lost your home. You may have lost, you know, security. A dad walked out. All of that is going to create this deep, intense mourning. And if you don't grieve, because Jesus says, or the God says in the Old Testament, there is a time to laugh and a time to mourn. Like there's a time for it. There is a time to grieve. If you don't grieve, what will happen? You'll, it will bottle down in you and it will actually cause you to be physically sick. The Bible says good note, good news, good news, good news brings, <laughs> good news brings life to the bones. There is there and hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. There's several. If you just want to read through Proverbs, and then you will see that there is a emotion-body link. And I know many people who have had physical issues that are related to emotional things. So if you don't grieve, if you stuff it down and pretend everything is okay, and even convince yourself you will probably end up having some physical problems somewhere, somewhere down the road. So I'm just being honest. I'm not saying, oh, you better cry or you're going to, you know, I'm just saying God gave us a way to work through grief. Grieving is loud and ugly. And I'm not saying to make yourself cry. I'm saying let yourself cry. Don't try to form tears but allow yourself to cry. And I'm going to tell you something that happened to me because Shine is walking out and it's about her. So she will not want to hear this. Go ahead. So you guys all know about Shine's liver, you know, where she almost died on the operating table and she was bleeding out. And um, the, the liver specialist came and he saved her and it was a miracle. Well, my husband was preaching about it and he said and you know we just trust the lord like but we trust that can't remember what he said but something like we trust that you know that was part of god's plan and it's all going to be okay and i i just sat there and i thought no i don't feel that way i'm angry i'm hurt I want my daughter's liver back. I want the hepatic vein back. I want her to be okay. And I walked out. I was sitting in my place in the second row, and I walked out to the fellowship room, and I went into that little corner. Now it's filled with the chairs that are broken, which made me throw But I walked into that little corner, and I just started weeping. And Rose heard me. She was in the nursery, and she came to check on me. And I just wept and wept and wept. And when I finished weeping, I surrendered Shine and her liver to the Lord. And there was so much peace in my heart. But I had to hurt and grieve over that. I had cried before. I had, but that was kind of like from the depths of my soul. And there was something that happened when the Lord met me in that grief, that was a healing and a cleansing. So sometimes we don't 
um, we don't realize the power that is in grieving. Because not because it's there's something powerful about crying, but there is something powerful about the comfort of the Lord. And um, it's also very honest and very humbling. And the Bible says, God resists the cr- proud but gives grace to the humble. And I think there's something about really grieving, really being honest. There's like, it's almost like an act of humility where you're just laying it down and saying, look, Lord, this is who I am. I'm just really hurting. Um, so one of the things that I have learned about grief is that it's very hard when you're grieving to be around a lot of activity and a lot of noise. And there was a church we went to um, for about a year in Arizona before we moved back, and they had an anointing. You know how every church has kind of their anointing and their gifting? And their anointing was for hurting people. And hurting people would just come to their church. And then they would um, usually like, go through a time of healing. They'd stay there a couple years and then they would move on and go somewhere else. It was a very large church and the worship was really gentle and really quiet. And I remember the pastor saying one day, you know, God has called us to hurting people. And as a result, our worship is, is quieter because we're ministering to hurting people. And I thought that was really interesting because, you know, when you're hurting you may need to surround yourself with gentle and with quiet sometimes and, and hear those things. So um, talk about your pain with people who will listen and emphasize and empathize with you and let them hold you, let them hug you, let them physically be there for you. And I'm going to share with you now, for me, where I find a lot of healing in my life is in the word of God. And one passage in particular is 1 Corinthians 15. It's one of of the longest chapters in the Bible. If I'm sitting by the bedside of someone who is dying, which I have several times, I don't know why the Lord's just had that happen in my life, but I will read that passage to them many times because it is all about our spiritual, our, our earthly bodies, our heavenly bodies, that, you know, that's where it says death is the final enemy. It's going to be destroyed. And, um, you know, it's just so full of hope and life. And that is one of my favorite passages. And I always find so much joy in that passage. And, um, I also love to read about God's love or passages about Jesus, because Jesus was so kind and so comforting. And that is, um, you know, especially like him doing miracles, healing people, um, because I belong to Jesus, and he's good, and he will take care of me, and he'll heal my heart. And um, so, and I mentioned before, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. It says that in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Um, It doesn't say we don't grieve. It just says we don't grieve as those who have no hope. So what is the way to move on 
after you. And, and also, I guess the final thing, I don't know if I mentioned this, that we want to move on eventually. It doesn't mean the hurt will completely go away. Okay, so it doesn't mean when you think of someone you lost, you won't still feel hurt or pain. But there's a period of grief, and for every person it's different, but you will have a sense when it's ending. Some people don't want it to end because they're always, and just remember this for all of life, there can always be a comfort in self-pity, in grief, in feeling rejected, there can always be that comfortableness. And so there are times that you have to realize, okay, I don't want to stay here forever. I want God's joy. I want God's joy. Um, But I would say two years is like a minimum when you lose someone really close to you. And then for all those other things of loss, it would be different. Um, When you're grieving Ask God to heal your heart and the hearts of those who mourn and remind yourself that one day death will be no more. Here's a couple things when we're grieving. When we're grieving, we can idealize a person or we can villainize a person. And, you know, like if we're, um, if we're grieving after divorce, we can villainize someone, but it's really easy to you know, say, oh, I was so wonderful and they were so terrible, or, you know, I was so terrible and they were so wonderful. But the truth is, people are never completely good or bad, except maybe for Jesus and Hitler. You know, Hitler was completely evil and Jesus was completely good. But beyond that, no one is. They're all flawed and they're all, there's all, everybody has something that is good. Um, But it's especially hard when you lose someone that you had a broken relationship with or that you have a lot of disappointment with. So maybe you grew up and your mom wasn't the kind of mom you really wish you had, and now she's gone. Or your dad was never really around, and now he's gone. And those are the the hardest things. And that is part of the grieving process. The Lord can help you walk it through. Getting your heart healed by the Lord is not a quick, instant thing. You can't get prayer over yourself and you're healed. Healing is a slow process and it involves spending time with the Lord. Talking to him, praying, reading the word, letting him comfort you. Um... And um, so if, if you had a, a bad relationship with someone who's died, then you're going to be grieving on two fronts. You're going to be grieving the loss, and you're going to be grieving the relationship you never had. And that is, is two different kinds of grieving, and they're both okay to bring to the Lord. Now, I'll be honest, I I would be careful that, you know, uh, there's a balance. You don't want to dishonor someone's memory, and you don't want to make someone into a pretend person. So just have wisdom. My mom always said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. And I think, except to the Lord, the Lord is the one we want to take things to. We don't really need to be 
I mean, except maybe someone very trusted that you're close to. We don't really need to be venting about people to anyone who will listen. Okay, um, so I'm going to read a couple of scriptures. This is from First Corinthians 3, and it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction, and the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also is comfort abundant through Christ. So comfort is abundant in Christ. But sometimes we can treat God from a distance rather than up close. And we are not going to experience comfort from God if we have a casual relationship with him. We're going to experience comfort from God if we have a close relationship with him. And if we are shying away from reading the word, we're going to miss out on a lot of comfort. Um, And then something exciting to me in Philippians 3 is that loss is a beautiful opportunity to grow closer to the Lord, not just because he comforts you, but listen to this. Whatever things were gained, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ— More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection." and the fellowship of his sufferings, being comforted to his death, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, there's something that happens when we suffer. When we suffer, we're able to understand the sufferings of Christ in a deeper way. It's not that it's the same suffering, but the more we understand the power of the resurrection and the suffering of Christ, the more we know him. We're getting to know him. And so as we're going through that pain, it's like, okay, this pain is horrible. I hate it. But God, as in all things, is going to bring something beautiful out of it in our lives because he loves us and we belong to him. And if we've surrendered our life to him, then he is always going to work in us. And if we can, you know, um, you can actually train yourself to look at the good things God is going to do. And I'll give you an example. This is the first lesson the Lord taught me. When you lead worship, you always end up making mistakes. You know, like you come in wrong in a song or, you know, you sometimes I've been ready to start a song and I'm thinking, I cannot remember how this song goes. What am I going to do? And so I used to be when I first started leading worship, I was so self-conscious and oh, my goodness, I made a mistake. Ah." So now one day the Lord just said, whenever you make a mistake, thank me. Okay, why am I thanking you? Because 
it's an opportunity to grow in humility. <gasps> it is. And I was so excited because when you make a mistake in front of a room full of people, it is an opportunity to grow in humility. And God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And that just changed my life. So then after that, the Lord just started showing me that every negative thing that happens in my life, God is going to do something to turn it to good. Every time someone is rude to me, every time someone is mean to me, every time something doesn't go like I hope it will, every time I experience loss, it's all either going to, I'm either going to see God do something miraculous. <laughs> Sorry, my phone. Or I'm going to see God do something miraculous, or I'm going to have an opportunity to know the Lord more. He's going to comfort me, or he's going to reveal a part of himself that I've experienced something like it. So everything that happens in our life, God turns to our good and his glory. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it can change your life because, like, if someone sins against me, that's terrible. I'm not going to go, oh, it's okay, you sinned against me. No, they sinned against me, but I'm going to forgive them because as God gives me grace to forgive them, his power is going to fill me and pour through me, and, and I'm going to experience more of Jesus. So it doesn't make what the person did right. It just means that if I belong to the Lord, who can come against me? I mean, really, even if they kill me, I'm in the presence of the Lord. And so that is, you know, that is the great joy. of I, I love belonging to the Lord. He's so good. So Paul, anyway, he lost everything so he could be found in Christ. And there was one thing Paul wanted. He wanted to stand before God and say, Paul, when I look at you, I see the righteousness of Jesus. Not because of what you've done. Because Jesus is in you. And if that is what we want, then everything we go through, we're going to not just experience the comfort of God, we're going to experience the power of God. Because God is going to do things through us that amaze us. Um, and I wonder why forgiveness keeps coming up, but it does. And so... Who I, when someone dies and you have to forgive them or when someone divorces you and you have to forgive them or leaves you and you have to forgive them or fires you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. When we forgive someone, we don't forgive someone because they deserve it. We don't forgive someone because we understand why they did it. We forgive someone because we're forgiven and because that grace that comes into our life to forgive us it fills us and it allows us to cancel people's debt and it's not always easy but and next week I'm going to talk about toxic relationships so we're going to delve a lot into that how do you you know have boundaries and stuff like that but whenever we hurt, we have the opportunity to know Jesus on a deeper level. If we draw close to him in our pain, if we decide we're going to watch movies, we're going to eat chocolate, you know, which I'm not saying eating chocolate in moderation is bad. No, no, no. I would never say that. 
But it, are we drawing our comfort from that? Or is our comfort coming from Jesus? So, as always, we have a one-size-fits-all perfect cure for grief and sorrow, and that's the beautiful exchange. And that means that we trade our loss and grief and sorrow for this. Listen to this. His sorrow mingled with joy that becomes joy. See, Jesus was in the garden experiencing sorrow, and he went to the cross and he rose again, experiencing joy. It doesn't mean as a Christian we're never going to hurt. But when we hurt by letting the Lord have our hurt, there'll be this thing in us that mingles inside of us that we can't put our finger on. But it's joy and it's life and it's love. And eventually it will give way. And there'll be more and more and more joy. Remember, grief is a season. And so what if you're sitting here and you say, you know what? You have no idea what I've been through. And I have just stuffed all those feelings down. Or maybe I've been grieving the wrong way. Maybe I've been grieving and villainizing the person and filled with anger and resentment. Or maybe I've been looking to other things but if you need to grieve, get away with the Lord. Do you know I've gone to hotels and stayed for two nights or three nights to just spend time with the Lord? Now I don't have to because all my kids are gone. My house is like a tomb. It's like a mausoleum. I mean, I am not kidding. It is so quiet. I just, you know, walk through the house and, wow, it's so quiet. You can pray out loud. You can. But when my kids were little and I need to just really have time with the Lord, I would just go rent a hotel for a few nights. And I would just, one time I brought my keyboard, that was a mistake. And I was like, I'm just going to worship. I brought, I went to the beach and I brought my big long keyboard. And anyway, I ended up, there's so many stories, but I won't tell you. So, but you can, sometimes you just need to get away. You just need to get away where you're alone, and you can talk out loud to the Lord. If you live by yourself, rejoice, because you can talk to the Lord 24-7. Now, I don't like, I don't ever want to live by myself. I love people in my house. If you want to, if you live by yourself and you want to move in with me, you can. But, um, I mean, I better ask my husband. But, um, but there's a joy about being alone, because you can just talk out loud to the Lord, and you can share everything with him. And you can listen to his presence. I go for walks a lot. And that is the way that I handle emotion. And um, I'm a very, very emotional person. And um, people sometimes say, wow, you don't ever get upset. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. But I usually get upset with the Lord first and let him adjust my heart before people have to deal with me. Okay. So Jesus bore our sorrow on the cross so that he could exchange our sorrow, his sorrow for our sorrow. So we can give him our sorrow and he can give us his sorrow and his joy. And he does promise. Um, he says he, he's Jesus. And Jesus read these words in the temple. He's like, Hey guys, 
I'm reading from Isaiah, and this is all about me. And he said that the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted and sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. Even in the midst of sorrow, God will bring you joy because that is just who he is. And his, you know, the, the Jewish leaders made fun of him because he was always happy and his disciples were always rejoicing. And they, you know, they said, oh, your disciples, they drink too much and blah, blah, blah. But they didn't. They were just full of joy. So um, finally, I want to talk about um, one other thing. I'm going to read uh, James 4, 1 through 10. And James is talking to some Jewish Christians that are, you know, and, and so he's real honest with them. He says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend it on your pleasures. So he's like really hammering them. He's like, you guys are always fighting. God doesn't answer your prayers because you're so selfish. And then he says, you adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of God of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you not think the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us, but he gives us greater grace. Therefore, it says God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then listen to this. He says, submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. This is a picture of godly sorrow, because these people James was writing to were sinning, and he's telling them to be sad. There's two kinds of sorrow, and you will see this in the way you interact with people, and you'll see it in your own heart. There's the sorrow that says, I can't believe the consequences of my sin. I cheated on my husband, and he left me. I'm so, so sorry that I did that. I'm so, so sorry that he left me. But really, we're not sorry that we sinned. We're sorry that things did not go our way. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Has anyone ever been sorry like that? Okay, but there's this gift, and it's called godly sorrow. And it says, Lord, against you and only you have I sinned. I am so sorry that I've sinned against you. Now, this is why I'm sharing this with you. Sometimes when the Lord is working in our life to free us from things, we will be filled with sadness. We will be so sorrowful. We will say, oh my goodness, God is so holy and I am not holy. And Lord, I am so sorry. When we are going to become a Christian, God will give us this gift of godly sorrow. 
and we will be so sad about our sin. And we will say, Lord, I've lived my whole life and I haven't even put you first. I'm a sinner. What would you ever want with me? Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. That's what Peter said. And that's that godly sorrow. It's a gift. It's a gift from the Lord. And sometimes when God is giving us that godly sorrow, we don't like it. It feels uncomfortable. So we do things like we go to someone who says, oh, no, that's stupid. You're a really good person. Oh, no, that's that person's fault. And we miss the joy of repenting. So I want to encourage you, if you're struggling in an area of sin and you're asking for freedom and all of a sudden you feel so sad, you're so sad, not condemnation, guys, you are just so sad. Come to the Lord and say, Lord, I am so sad that I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and all of a sudden you are so sad that he has never been the Lord of your life, that you have ignored him, that you have gone your own way, it's not just the things you've done, but it's been that rebellion in your heart, and you're so sad then come to him and say, Lord, I am so sad and I am so sorry. Will you please forgive me? And that sorrow is taken care of in an instant. In an instant. When Jesus forgives us, there is joy. When Jesus forgives us and we become a new person in Christ, there is so much joy. When we are struggling with sin and he gives us that godly sorrow and we repent, the minute we say, Lord, I am so sorry, what do we know? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so often we forget to receive the forgiveness. And so we go back. And we're like, and God's like, wait, didn't we already take care of this last week? <laughs> didn't I forgive you? You're forgiven. You don't have to bring this thing up again and again and again. Now, if it's a new thing, but so I just want to share that with you because sometimes we don't like sorrow. We don't like mourning. We don't like grieving. But sometimes sorrow is a gift so that we can have freedom in our walk with the Lord. And it's an instantly taken care of the sorrow. All we do is come to Jesus and it is gone and in its place. And I honestly believe with all my heart, when Jesus is talking in Isaiah 61, or the, Isaiah is prophesying about Jesus, that he's giving us the oil of gladness instead of mourning and binding up the broken heart. The saddest thing in all the earth is to sin against the Lord. The saddest thing in all the earth is to be rebellious against the Lord. But he binds up that brokenness. And immediately when we mourn and grieve over our sin, we have the oil of gladness and we are dancing and we are jumping and we can hear the angels and they're going, she repented, woo, she's a Christian, or 
Wow, look at that freedom. That's so awesome. See, that's what I want you to understand. Don't mistake godly sorrow for worldly sorrow. Just ask yourself, hey, am I upset because I got caught? Am I upset because I'm really hurting because of what I did? Or is my heart, Lord, you know what? I deserve the worst possible punishment you could ever do. I am so sad. And then the Lord says, "Mm, I forgive you. You're clean. Start jumping. Start dancing. That's our God. That is our God who gives us this gift of sorrow, and then he comforts us. Who gives us this gift of sorrow, and then he forgives us, and he sets us free. And if you are walking in guilt and condemnation, I want to encourage you tonight, repent and receive the forgiveness of God. And don't ever repent without taking the next step and receiving the forgiveness of God. If you are hurting, and if you're not hurting right now, remember this when you are. There is a season for grief. Do not receive condemnation when you hurt. That is the normal human experience. God will comfort you when you grieve. And sometimes we stuff stuff down. We stuff stuff down, and all of a sudden it comes pouring out like vomit. And I'm sorry to be so graphic, but it just comes pouring out, and we just start destroying people because there's so much bitterness and hurt in our heart. We've got to start allowing ourselves to grieve and taking our grief to the Lord and letting Him comfort us. You know, I want to. I'm going to embarrass you, Hosanna, but. I'm not asking permission. I'm so sorry. I love you so much. Hosanna went through some really hard things, and she was so honest with me. And I would talk to her, how are you doing? Oh, terrible. And she was just so honest. And I love that about Hosanna because she's so honest. And I tell her, Hosanna, you're so honest, and you're being so humble, and God is going to do great things in your heart. I, I really and. God is doing great things in your heart, isn't he, Hosanna? He really is. And he's healing your hurt, isn't he? And so it's because she wasn't playing games with God. She was saying, Lord, here I am. I'm broken. I'm hurting. And to be honest with you, I don't feel like I'll ever feel better. I know that's a lie from Satan, but it feels really real right now. And what happens God comforted her and comforted her, and he's bringing healing. But it's a process. I love you guys with all my heart.